You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Sundays ago, one of our elders, uh, if you were here, kind of uh, got up at one point in the service and just really felt that there was a stirring in his heart that I believe he felt was a stirring of God's heart uh, to really kind of encourage and to invite our congregation uh, just into a time of prayer and fasting. And so as he shared that, I just really felt like there was just a confirmation uh, on my heart about that. Uh, Also, that I felt like there was uh, some uh, validation in that I feel like God is calling us uh, into just a time of prayer and fasting for our congregation, especially just because we see uh, so many things happening uh, in the world uh, right now. Um, that we really want to just take that uh, call to prayer and fasting uh, very serious. So this morning, I want to kind of just take an opportunity to teach a little bit um, on the subject of fasting because it really is, unfortunately, uh, oftentimes a neglected uh, part of our Christian walk. Um, And mainly because a lot of times as Christians, we just don't really understand the power that God releases uh, through believers, through this very, very powerful spiritual discipline. And I say it as a spiritual discipline because it's something that's been a part of the church going uh, clear back to, you know, Old Testament uh, times. And so again, just uh, in in our culture today and the church today, unfortunately, I mean, you mentioned the word fasting and oftentimes uh, it just kind of causes an inward groan in a lot of us. And I, I understand that. You know, you mentioned the concept of fasting, and people kind of just want to maybe tune you out. They kind of want to just shut you down uh, because they think that fasting is really only for the radical, for the super spiritual, um, and and really uh, people feel like it really doesn't have uh, a place in their life uh, as an average ordinary believer. And I just want you to know this morning that I believe nothing can be further from the truth. Jesus incorporated uh, fasting as a part of his lifestyle and his pursuit of God. He also commended to the disciples to do likewise as well. And there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, Jesus says, but you, when, and again, not if, but when, so he's setting up the expectation that there's going to come a time when you will fast. So he says, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now the truth is fasting in the New Testament was very much a part of the normal flow of Christian life undertaken by every believer. Today, fasting has been pretty much removed from the Western church and really from the American lifestyle. The truth is, fasting is Christianity 101. This is normal Christianity. As a matter of fact, there's no such thing as New Testament Christianity apart from fasting. 
So again, today we kind of look at people who undertake that spiritual discipline and we kind of set them off as maybe someone who's kind of radical or, or extreme or they're just kind of out there. New Testament Christians back in the days of Acts in the early church, they kind of looked at those who didn't fast as radical, extreme, and on the fringe. And they really kind of questioned their real commitment to Christianity. John Wesley, the father of Methodism, would not even consider anyone for ordained ministry who did not fast at least twice a week. So you can kind of see, as you look at the history of the church, uh, not just from the uh, New Testament perspective, but from even the Western church today, we have come so far uh, in redefining the place, the role, and the benefits of fasting in, the, in our Western culture. Now, let me just say here uh, um, from the onset, this has nothing to do with your salvation. So you may be here this morning, you may hear everything that I say about fasting, and it's just not something that you're interested in. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, okay? So, so this doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. So I just wanna put that out there in front, because anytime we start uh, going in those kinds of directions, we can start creating a works mentality. And I don't wanna do that this morning. So I wanna just be able to uh, invite people into this without any feeling of guilt or compulsion that this, you know, if you choose not to do this at this point, that it, you know, that you're not a believer, that's not the intent of this at all. It's just to introduce you uh, if it's new to you or if it's something that maybe uh, you've not really taken serious uh, before, maybe just to think about that um, at, at a different level this morning. So let me just kind of share some of the spiritual benefits uh, that come from fasting and I'll kind of go into a little bit more detail detail about those benefits next week, but I do want to give you kind of some here on the front side of this, again, just to kind of motivate your heart this morning uh, to pursue that. Again, if it's something uh, that's new or something that maybe has just kind of been placed on the back burner for a while. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to uh, share uh, just a few of the benefits, and then I want to just talk on uh, the different types of fasts that are mentioned in the Bible. But before I go any further, let me just give you this qualifier. Now, please listen carefully. Carefully. If you are pregnant, if you are a diabetic, if you have any serious medical condition or are currently under a doctor's care, please, please, please do not engage in any kind of fasting, um, the fasting of food or liquids without the consent and the supervision of your doctor. Now, you may be sitting there and you're saying, well, I just really feel like God's calling me to fast. Okay, I wanna, I wanna honor that calling, but I'm just asking you, uh, before you do that, just get with your doctor, let them know what you wanna do, get their input, uh, and, and just so that they're able to kind of uh, keep uh, um, watch over you before you begin anything like that. So let me just kind of just, uh, again, to prime the pump here, let me kind of just give you a few of what I believe are the benefits that come uh, from fasting. And I kind of touched on this a little bit last week. If you were to ask yourself, what was one of the things that made Jesus's ministry so effective? I think you could describe it this way. See, do, hear, say. 
Now listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 19. He says, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does, the son does only what he sees the father doing. Now just again, emphasize that word only. Whatever the father does, the son does also. So Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. Now listen to what Jesus says next in John chapter 12, verses 49 through 50. He says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. So this is the hear, say, Jesus only said what he heard his father saying. Now, if that worked for Jesus, and it did, I believe that will also work for us as well. Imagine if we only did what we saw our heavenly father doing, and we say only what we hear our heavenly father saying, the results of that is you would have a ministry that looks a lot like Jesus. The regular discipline of fasting will increase and deepen our ability to see and to hear the things our heavenly father is saying and doing. And all we've got to do then is just walk in that and cooperate with that. Fasting will make our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears more sensitive and in tune to what the Heavenly Father is saying and doing. That's one reason why Jesus would often say in many places throughout uh, the Gospels, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The purpose of fasting also greatly increases our ability and our capacity to experience more and more of God's power, presence, strength, and blessings in our lives and our ministries. Fasting has a way of kind of tenderizing and positioning our hearts to receive more of God, more of his power and presence at deeper levels and at a faster pace. So one of the purposes of fasting is it's to um, expose our hearts more and more to God's hearts and the fullness of all that he has for us and towards us. Now, fasting will also, one of the spiritual benefits of that is it will increase humility in us. Whenever pride is an issue for us, which it often is, and is more than we are aware of, Fasting, a regular discipline of fasting, will both reveal the pride in our hearts as well as conquer it. It was once said that, that pride is the one thing that, leads the, that leaves the human heart last and re-enters the human heart first. So pride is a, is a big issue. It can be a block in our walk and relationship with God many times. Fasting will help reveal that and overcome that. Fasting will also make us more aware of the false drives, motives, passions, and movements of our hearts. Jesus speaks to this in the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew's Gospel. Listen to this from chapter six, beginning in verse one. He says, watch out, or beware. 
Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. And he says, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing their trumpets in the synagogues and the uh, streets to call attention to their acts of charity. He says, I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to publicly play, pray on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. He says, I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. So again, fasting will assist us in kind of seeing, in discerning the things we are doing. And it will reveal to us, are we doing these things from a right motive, from a biblical motive? Are we doing them out of obedience to God or are we doing them for man's recognition? Is the motive of our heart to be seen of men or to be seen and rewarded of God. Fasting, again, it enables our hearts to be searched and to reveal the true passions, motives, and drives of our heart. One last thing is fasting increases our hunger and desire for God's beauty. The true reward, and probably one of the greatest benefits of fasting, comes when we stop feasting on food and start feasting on the word and feasting upon the, the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the beauty of God, and when I use a statement like that, when I use a, a phrase like that, the beauty of God is really understanding and then experiencing the emotions that God has toward us. So when, when David talks about that David was a student of the uh, emotions of God. He was a student of the heart of God. And oftentimes, you'll kind of see that revealed there in the Psalms. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 27, verse 4, listen to what he says. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, to behold the beauty of the Lord, it simply means to encounter again the emotions, the feeling, the heart that God has toward us. So when we encounter the love of God, when you just feel the love of God, okay, you're experiencing God's beauty. When we encounter and experience the forgiveness of the Lord, we are experiencing the beauty of the Lord. When we encounter and experience the grace of God, his mercy, we are beholding and we're experiencing the beauty of the Lord. And fasting increases our hunger and our desire to encounter God's beauty at deeper and deeper levels. 
So it's important when we fast, we want to focus more on the benefits of fasting, the rewards of fasting, rather than just simply the sacrificing and abstaining from food. So if all we're focused upon when we fast is what we're sacrificing and giving up, then chances are very, very good that we will miss out or we're going to minimize the impact and the rewards of what God has for um, us in the fast. So I'm just going to kind of transition here. Those are kind of some of the benefits. I'll go into a little bit more detail about that next week, but I want to kind of just give to you what are some of the more common fasts uh, found in the Bible, I want to kind of talk about how it is done and then the purpose for which I believe the scriptures reveal to us that it intends to accomplish. So it's not to cover all of the fast that can be practiced, but just to give you what I think are probably the three most common um, ones and the purposes for which they're used. Now, for the sake of just, again, clarity and simplification, when I refer to fasting, I am kind of limiting the scope of my discussion to the fasting of food. Now, I realize there are other types of fasts that people participate in, and they can be like, you know, fasting the television, fasting your computer. You know, I, I've often, you know, felt led sometimes just to fast words, where, where you just go for a period of just silence, where, where you're not speaking. You're, you're just in kind of a receiving. You're in kind of a listening mode. It, it can be you know, a, a fasting of a lot of different things that don't involve food. But again, just for the sake of clarity and just to limit the scope of my talk this morning, I want to just share with you again that when I refer to fasting, I am kind of talking about just again abstaining um, from food or at least certain types of food. And again, for those of you that have medical reasons where fasting is not advisable, um, God may lead you to utilize some of those other forms of fasting. God may be saying to you, you know, I, I want you to fast television. I want you to fast the internet. I want you to, you know, fast in this particular um, area. So the first kind of fast is what we call the absolute fast. And this is a type of fasting where you eliminate all food and drink for a brief, and I, I stress brief, window of time, usually one and no more than three days. So let me just stress that. This is a fast that you engage in for one and really no more than three days. Now this is the type of fast that Saul, who later became the apostle Paul, this is the type of fast that Paul followed uh, during his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And Acts 9-9 records Saul's response to where he, he sees this bright light, he hears the voice of Jesus, um, and his response to that there is he remained uh, blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So some also kind of refer to that absolute fast as what we call the Esther fast, because this is the kind of fast that Esther called the Jews of Susa to in response to Haman's evil plans to basically annihilate uh, the Jews and take their possessions. 
So we find in Esther's uh, book there, chapter four, verse 15, it says, then Esther sends this reply to Mordecai. He says, she says, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, uh, for three days, night or day. My maid and I will do the same, and then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. Now, now I, I don't want to miss this, but I want you to understand. She had a very, very specific intent with the absolute fast. She's not just fasting to fast. She's fasting so that she can go in to see the king without coming under the penalty of death. Because in those days, you just did not go into the presence of the king. You had to be invited in. She was not being invited in. She was going to go in. It was her, uh, she was married to the king, but she still was under the, the rules of having to be invited into the king's presence. And she's saying, the fast for me is I want to go into uh, the king's presence without invitation and make the plea before him. So she's very, very specific um, in her uh, fast. So as you can kind of see from the two instances there, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul, and then we see Esther, where the absolute fast is used. It is designed, and it really is uh, very effective for those who are deeply distressed. For those uh, who are fasting, that they're kind of doing this to, to solve an extreme problem. And you're looking at the annihilation uh, of a whole race of people. Um, this can also be used uh, um, if people are under very severe or extreme forms of bondage or, or an addiction or they're seeking protection from a physical or a spiritual enemy. These are times where an absolute fast can be very effective. I think the situation in Ukraine, I mean, just stop and think how differently all of that might be playing out if there had been maybe a call for a one, two, or a three day absolute fast. It's in those situations that, that uh, in, in our current uh, culture where an absolute fast could be very effective. Again, it's interesting to note the only exception uh, to this we see in the Bible is found in Exodus 34 where Moses goes up to Mount Sinai for the second time. He's been up there once, received the tablets. He's up there again a second time. And it says in verse 28 that for 40 days and nights, he ate no food and drank no water. Now again, there's, Jesus didn't even do that in the wilderness. So this, this is something that is just... And, and Moses is in the manifest presence of God. And I mean, where, when I talk manifest presence of God, I mean, he was in the thick of it. I, I don't think you could probably get any more into God's presence than Moses was at that point um, and still be a human being. But it was in that very, very manifest, heavy presence of God, God sustained Moses for 40 days, 40 nights with no food or drink. And, and again, I, I say the absolute fast should not. I am not Moses. You are not Moses. Uh, this should not be engaged in uh, beyond three days because, again, going without water for a prolonged period of time, it can result in irreparable damage to the body. So I just want to be very, very clear uh, on that kind of a fast. Second, time, uh, second type of fast is 
uh, what we commonly call the normal fast. And that is a fast in which you kind of eliminate all solid food and you drink only liquids. Now again, in the Bible, this is the kind of fast that Jesus used when he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit for 40 days. Matthew chapter 4 verse 2 says, and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. So the normal fast is a fast that can be used for one meal a day, all the way up to 40 full days. But again, it should never, ever be extended beyond the 40 days. Even Moses did not go beyond the 40 days, even though he's in that thick, heavy presence um, of the Lord. Now again, let me just say this. If you are new to fasting, or you have never tried it before, let me just encourage you this morning, take it slowly. If you're new to fasting or you've never tried it before, I recommend just starting off with one meal a day or two meals and then just gradually, slowly build out from there. Now, sometimes people go too far too soon. They try to do too much and then they have a very negative uh, experience and then they just avoid fasting altogether. So I start recommending, I recommend you know, starting gradually and just work your way out to longer times um, of, of fasting. It's also important to start every fast by praying. And again, it's just knowing what is God calling me to do in this fast. So oftentimes it's just, uh, I recommend strongly start every fast by praying and asking God what is it you're calling me to do in this fast? What, what, what do I want to accomplish? What, what am I praying for? What kind of breakthrough am I looking for here? And then here's the other thing. Ask God to give you the grace to be able to do this. That was one thing that I, I, I didn't do initially when I started fasting. And, and for me, there were just aspects of the fast fast that where I just felt like I'm just gritting my teeth, you know, oh, I'm just trying to get through this, you know, and, and you just kind of feel like that's, you know, that, that there's something spiritual about that. And then I was reading a, a book on fasting, um, which is what I, I like doing when I'm fasting. I like to incorporate teachings or readings on fasting, because again, God uses that to, to help me understand more and more uh, of what uh, he's trying to do uh, in calling me to that. And so there were just times where I would just start the fast by just saying, God, would you just give me the grace to be able to do this? And I just found as I began to do that, I, that just kind of that gritting of the teeth, you know, that just that sheer determination. It, it, it wasn't about that anymore. It kind of just became a walk of grace uh, for me. So I, I just put that out uh, to you just to, to pray before you engage in every fast and just ask God to give you the grace um, and you'll be amazed at how he helps you through it. Now, when it comes to drinking liquids, again, uh, some people, it's the uh, just abstaining of food in the 40-day fast. So when it comes to liquids, um, it, it greatly just... Um, varies what people will drink. Now, some people will choose to just do water only. Uh, some will choose to do fruit drinks. I was just uh, uh, 
talking with a friend who just completed uh, a 21-day fast, and he just kind of felt that um, how, how God led him was to completely abstain from food, but he did have a, a, a glass of pineapple juice every morning, um, and, and he felt like that was honoring um, the fast of what God had called him to. So some may choose to do, you know, vegetable juice or coffee. Uh, others may choose to use like Ensure uh, or Slim Fast. Um, again, the Bible's not you know, completely clear on what types of liquids, you know, are allowed uh, or would qualify in a normal fast. So again, that's just one of those things that you can kind of just ask for God's leadership um, and, and he'll lead you in the types of liquids uh, you should drink in a normal fast. Again, you just want to be able to use the liquids that kind of glorify God, like it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And that's what the fasting is. We want to glorify God so he'll lead you uh, in what that should look like. Now, it's interesting that the early church kind of engaged in the normal fast twice a week. They would do it on Wednesdays and Fridays. And their purpose was to experience more power with God. So throughout church history, you'll find that there are, are many men and women who have engaged in regular fast um, as they've led great revivals. Um, and again, it's important when we engage in the fast, have a very clear reason why you are fasting and whatever the reason for the fast, again, it's always to draw nearer to God and to hear God. So don't ever just fast to fast. So, you know, oftentimes I'll hear people that, that fast and they don't do any kind of, of Bible reading. They're not really doing any prayer. And so I just kind of tell them what you're really doing. It's not a biblical fast. It's dieting. You know, it, it, that's, you know, what it is. It, it's just dieting. And there are diet programs out there that, that use that word fasting. So there's things like they, they call the intermittent fast, you know. Um, and, and it's, again, it's not promoted as a spiritual discipline. It's, it's promoted as a weight loss. So, again, without prayer, without, you know, meditation, without drawing near to God, uh, oftentimes your fast can become just really nothing more than a diet plan. So you want to be very clear about what is your purpose in that. So, you know, if you have family or friends uh, who are unsaved, the normal fast is a very appropriate and an often used fast to just pray that God would move and open the eyes uh, of unsaved family members uh, or friends. If you're seeking God's direction, maybe in a particular uh, situation, the normal fast can be used, uh, again, just waiting upon the Lord for guidance, uh, for breakthrough, uh, for, uh, again, just... Uh, spiritual strategies uh, in that for wisdom. And again, if you're not sure, I just encourage you uh, to fast um, for the church. It, it can be just, you know, fasting for, you know, breakthroughs uh, in, the, in our church, breakthroughs uh, over our city. Um, so again, those are just kind of a, a few of the ways that the normal fast uh, can be used. The third most common type of fast is called the partial fast, or what is maybe commonly known as the Daniel fast. This kind of came up in our discipleship group a, a couple of weeks ago, a question on that. The Daniel fast gets its name from the Old Testament book of Daniel, because it was a fast that was used by Daniel and three of his companions. 
And the book of Daniel opens with Daniel and his three Jewish uh, companions, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They're serving King Nebuchadnezzar uh, in the court of the Babylonians. And Daniel and his three companions were committed to not defiling themselves with King Nebuchadnezzar's rich food or the wine he drank because all of this was being offered uh, to pagan Babylonian gods. And they did not want to defile themselves by eating that. So Daniel and his three companions, they, uh, they go to their overseer and they ask if they would be permitted to just have a restricted diet of vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now the overseer, the attendant who watched over them, agreed to this for a period of 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, Daniel chapter 1, verse 15 says, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. And so they were allowed to continue uh, on in that fast. Some refer to the Daniel fast as just, you know, basically abstaining from meats and sweets, if you were to simplify that. Now, the Daniel fast is different from the other two types of fast that we talked about, and that is that it's a partial fast in that some foods are allowed, and because of that, the Daniel fast can usually be engaged in for longer periods of time. Uh, The Daniel fast is also one of the more popular forms of fasting because it is not as physically demanding or daunting as eating nothing for many consecutive days. The Daniel fast is a form of fasting that can be used by those of you who maybe have limitations because of physical uh, situations uh, you're in right now, or maybe you just have jobs that are physically demanding and you, you have to have physical strength to do that job, but you wanna fast. So the Daniel fast allows you to be able uh, to do that uh, and participate regardless of any physical limitations or health concerns. Now, the Daniel Fast, and, and if any of you are interested in this, I do have books in my office. I'd be more than happy to loan, to check out to you. If you want to learn more about that, if you have access to the internet, just go in and simply type out the Daniel Fast, and you will be inundated with information of how to uh, look at uh, walking uh, in that, if that's something that uh, you feel God's calling you to. So again, the the Daniel fast can be used for many of the same purposes as a normal fast. Uh, Some use the Daniel fast as, again, just an opportunity for deeper prayer, for just maybe greater meditation, greater revelation. Uh, It can enhance the power, the effectiveness of your prayers. It can influence, um, you know, your prayers for nations, uh, their leaders, Uh, certainly what Daniel used it for. Uh, His fasting led to deeper times of prayer and intercession as he sought God for the relief of the Jewish people from the hands of the Babylonians. So in like manner, Christians today can use the Daniel fast again uh, to engage and seek God's guidance to struggles uh, faced today, such as debt, maybe you know, the poverty, uh, world hunger, homelessness, racial inequality, war. I mean, just to name a few of the many things that are kind of erupting in our culture today, the Daniel fast can be very, very effective at addressing and moving uh, God 
God's hand um, in resolving that. So again, regardless of where you are in the practice of fasting, and some of you, again, you, you may be very seasoned in this. Um, some of you may be brand new to this. This is not something that you've ever been challenged uh, to do. Uh, maybe some of you have done it and you just had a really negative experience uh, from it. I know I have. I'll share a little bit more about that um, next week. But again, regardless of that, again, the purpose of fasting is God just wants to use that as an opportunity to establish a greater sense of his power and his presence, his work in our lives, in our ministries, in the lives of others, uh, and fasting is an end, uh, is a means to that end. Now, fasting is essential, again, because it answers our cry for more of God. That's really the, the ultimate cry of our hearts when we fast is we just want more of God. One of the greatest spiritual benefits of fasting, again, is just becoming more attentive, more aware of God, his power, and his presence. And oftentimes, he'll do that by just making us aware of our weaknesses, our limits, our inadequacies. Um, and again, it, it just uh, uh, helps us kind of focus on our weaknesses um, and focus upon his strength. And I'll say a little bit more about that um, next week. It, again, it, it, can, it, it allows God to kind of do like, you know, John said, you know, I, I, I want to decrease so that you can increase. And, and fasting uh, will facilitate that. It, again, it's being able to hear what the Father is saying and, and to be able to say that, to see what the Father is doing, and then to cooperate in, in doing um, that. So again, fasting glorifies God both in person um, and in his uh, uh, power and his presence. And again, it, it empowers uh, and helps those uh, situations, those people for who we fast and pray for. So what I want to do is just, I, I want to close this morning um, by just encouraging you. I've kind of set before you um, three fast this morning, and I, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit as we close here this morning to just take a moment and, and just be silent before the Lord. And just ask God, you know, is, are, is God calling you, uh, again, out of response to part, you know, of what Mitch uh, got up and challenged our congregation with a couple of weeks ago? You know, again, there was just that stirring. And, and just ask God, are, are you calling me um, into uh, a time of fasting? And then which one of those uh, fast do you feel like God is calling you into? Um, and so that's what I want to kind of just close with uh, this morning is just to take that, uh, that uh, call that, that Mitch uh, gave to the congregation, to take that serious and, and just to come before God and just ask him, uh, what are you calling uh, me to? And then in that, that God would also begin to reveal what are the purposes um, that God is calling you into that. And that, that may come uh, over, um, you know, the next several days. You know, again, as you just continue to engage God's heart and his plans and purposes um, for this. But just be open uh, to how God wants to use this um, in, in your life. So, Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your word that leads us into all truth that you use your word to teach us, to show us, to reveal to us your will. And Father, we thank you for the purposes, we thank you for the plans that fasting reveals to us. 
We thank you, Father, for the ways that you have used fasting in both the Bible and throughout history to accomplish great and mighty things. And God, those were not an end to, but they were rather an example of what you want to do through people who were called and obedient in fasting. So Father, this morning we just come under no guilt. We don't come under any compulsion here this morning, God. We just want to come with surrendered, willing hearts this morning. We want to just come. This morning we just want to hear your voice. We want to sense your leading and your guiding here this morning. God, that no one is swayed by me, by what I've said here this morning, Father, but that there is just a hearing and a surrendering to your voice this morning. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of each person here, Lord, as to how you're calling them to respond to this invitation of fasting. And Father, we pray, Lord, that in that call, Father, you will reveal to us the reasons, the intent, your purposes behind that fast. God, I pray that you'll also grace us with a willingness and an ability to be able to fast in a way that honors and glorifies you. So Father, we just pray, Lord, for that burden, we pray for that yoke that Jesus said would be light, it would be easy. We just ask, Father, that whatever that yoke of fasting that you're placing upon us this morning, Father, that we would hear that and begin to just step out and to walk in obedience to that calling. Again, Father, we come under no compulsion, we come under uh, no guilt here this morning. We do this because we hear you, we love you, and we want to honor your word. We want to honor your leadership over our hearts and lives this morning. So, Father, we just thank you. Thank you that you speak to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have plans and purposes for our lives here this morning. And again, we just want to do like Paul says in everything that we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've just Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.